think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Okay, everybody, here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Oh, that was good, babe. Look at us. <laughs> okay, so today, before we jump into our very exciting pod, which I'm really psyched about, um, we want to tell you that Abby, sister Amanda, and I are very excited because we're going to hang out with you tonight at our live journal event to celebrate this week's launch of Get Untamed, the journal. It's our first live event together ever. I mean, except for like the rest of our lives that we spend together <laughs> live. Um, it's the first live event the three of us will be doing together. Where there's other people watching us. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you want to come, there's still time to register until 5 p.m. Eastern. There's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are going to be yeah, there. Yeah, I think that over 10,000 people. Something crazy. Something amazing. Yeah. So it's going to be really fun. It'll be just like this, except with all of us together. So join us tonight live and in real time at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And again, you can still sign up before 5 p.m. Eastern at getuntamedjournal.com slash event. So we'll see you tonight. But now let's start the show. Why don't you I feel tell- nervous. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that I feel nervous about what we're about to talk about. Okay. What I would like to tell everyone, because you can't see my sweet wife who's sitting next to you on the couch, is that why don't you explain to everyone why you've been wearing that huge golden medal around your neck all day long in our house while we've been doing laundry? <laughs> well, because I earned it. You earned it. And how did you earn it? I completed the New York City Marathon. Woot woot. 
what? Yes. And so the reason why I'm actually wearing this is because I feel like I'm only going to get about a week's worth of goodwill from my wife and family. Uh, and uh-huh. so I want to try to prolong that goodwill <laughs> for as long as possible. Yeah. So yes, I wear this around. I, I also did this after, um, the world cup and the Olympics. You did. Yeah. Because I just wanted people to not forget. <laughs> Because people move on, man, pretty fast. Just like that. They're like, it's over. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to remind you for a solid week. And then I I stop. Let's talk about the marathon because I'm so freaking proud of you. Can you tell everybody how the hell you ended up running a marathon? Okay. So just very briefly, um, about three years ago, I decided this is about two and a half years, two to two and a half years after my retirement. I didn't really do much to work out. I thought that, I thought that I quite frankly, I thought that this body earned enough goodwill to never have to actually work out again. You thought that's how it would work. I did. Yeah. I really, I desperately really wished. Yeah. Um, But then my body just, I felt terrible. I didn't feel good. So I started, I I decided, okay, I'm going to do the thing that, that takes the, the least amount of time that makes me feel the best and that burns the most calories. And that was running. But I mean, by the way, I couldn't just start running. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had to start walking. You walked. I yeah. remember you started by walking. I yeah. started walking and then I started wogging is what I call it. A walk jog. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly wogging, mostly walking at first. And then it turned into a jog. Mm-hmm. And then I started to like jog run. And then I became a runner all of a sudden. When you are doing this over and over again, you have to like, you literally have to give yourself some sort of goal so as to not get burnt out or bored. I had a running friend, Katie Brodnick in Naples. Well, first, let's say she, you tried to make me your running friend. <laughs> she would come home. My precious pod squad will understand this. She would come home and try so hard to get me to run with her. And she would try to trick me in all these different ways. And one time she came home and she said, babe, I just listened to this podcast, ironically. And in it, they said that if you, for every mile that you run, you add seven minutes to your life. So she said, it's, it's math, Glennon. Like you could actually extend your life. And I said, okay, if you want to bring math into it, it takes me. 17 minutes to run a mile. So if it adds seven, but take 17, I'm literally, I'm losing 10 minutes of life for every mile. I like running is killing me. It's shortening my lifespan and that's math. So then you found this other friend to run with you. He doesn't understand math. Yeah. (laughs) No, Uh, I don't think that's quite how it works, babe, but I see your point. (laughs) Yeah. I I see your point. Thanks. Yeah. So Katie and I, we became workout partners and fast friends. Um, And so we started, you know, training for these things. We trained for a half marathon. And then when I completed my first half marathon, um, I thought, I guess the next step is a marathon. Mm -hmm. And somewhere on my bucket list, my secret bucket list that I don't talk to people about, Um, there is the marathon, right. Mm. To complete a marathon. And at that point, our kids were in middle. Some of our kids were in middle school and our middle school coach, coach Lou, Lou. she, every time we would go to their cross country meets, Mm -hmm. she would always just kind of like nag me, like sign up for a marathon. Like, come on, do it. You know, coach Lou is a magical angel who inspires middle schoolers to run and and, their parents and their parents, but just like (laughs) 
has helped helped walked our family through so much. How to get a middle schooler to run for an extended period of time is a freaking miracle. Yeah, if you can do that, you can do anything. So there, there I was with the decision, and I signed up for the 2020 marathon uh, in New York City. Um, I think we all know how 2020 went. That marathon got canceled. Remember that day? That was like the best day of our lives. It was the best. <laughs> because you pretended to be sad for like 10 minutes and yeah. then you couldn't even fake it. Well, because it was many months before the event. So at least I didn't like train the entire time right. and then it got canceled at the last moment. Right. That would have been horrible. I did do a couple of long runs, mm-hmm. but not um, not as many as I, I trained for this last one. So I kept running throughout COVID. I just, that was what I was doing. That's kind of what I have become mm-hmm. in this process. And I guess I found myself in New York city again, you know, like signing up for this marathon. Uh, I was actually able to coerce a couple of my teammates to train remotely with me, to run it with me. Leslie Osborne, Leslie Osborne, Lauren Cheney. Mm -hmm. And there was actually a couple other uh, women who trained with us, but had injuries, Heather Mitz and Kate Mark Raff, um, former teammates. And to me, that was like, that was so special to be able to reconnect with all of them. in a physical way, even though we weren't doing it together, it felt, it felt like a good accountability. Mm -hmm. When we moved to California, some of the women who lived more on the East coast or Midwest, they would text like that run was brutal. Yeah. You guys really reconnected. Yeah. So, so we find ourselves in New York city. So we're in the cab. We're in the cab and you turn to me and you say, what can I do? for you this weekend to make sure that Sunday goes as perfectly as it possibly can. Yeah. That was an important moment because I noticed that you got like really quiet. You told me it was kind of like how you used to get on game day. Yeah. I was going into pregame. I was going into game day mode. Yeah. You know, but I've never experienced that before because I wasn't, we weren't together during your career. It's so interesting. But we were in the cab and I was like, why isn't she talking to me? Like this, she doesn't not talk (laughs) like terror alert level red. Why is she not talking? Is she choking on something? (laughs) And you were in the mode. And I so- was ruminating about the whole thing. I was processing. I was thinking about every little detail mm-hmm. because I know that those small details matter. Yeah. Right. And um, and I think that you caught on that I wasn't really being present. So I, I wasn't, asked you. Yeah. So you asked me. And I think that I think that that might be like one of the most important things um, that could have happened to me that weekend because. I think I was contemplating how the hell am I going to do this and also take care of you? Yeah, because Pod Squad, we were going to New York City. So (laughs) I often get lost on the way from my pantry to the family room. So you can imagine how Abby was feeling about a weekend in New York City when I might be, when she might be distracted and Chase was coming to. Yeah, a little side wrinkle. Chase was on a train coming from college to also. come and be with us. So you were worried about us. Yeah, it was a little stressed. So you asking me that question was wonderful. And how did I respond? You said, you looked at me, you turned to me in the cab and you said, honey, what I need from you this weekend is that I just really need you to pay attention. Pay attention, Glennon. Pay attention, Glennon. And Damned if I didn't say pay attention, Glennon, to myself every minute of every day of that yes. weekend. I now, tried so hard. I, I think that Glennon does paint like a, a good picture for you in terms of the, like how she experiences the world. 
and it's not far off. <laughs> Glennon, <laughs> you know, I'm, I am constantly vigilant. Like, mm-hmm. is she stepping in the way of oncoming traffic? Mm-hmm. Is she on her phone, not knowing that somebody's going to crash into her? And like, mm-hmm. when you're in New York City, it is a not a forgiving place. No, I am vigilant. I'm being vigilant. Also, I'm just being vigilant to things on the inside of me. That's right. To my imagination, to my brain, <laughs> to my heart. That's right. To I was, my feelings. Yes, I was telling you, you can't be totally on your inside world all the time. Yes. In New York City, you got to come out and and join 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 us. Pay attention. And we did and you went and did all of your pre-marathon things. Chase and I navigated New York City. Chase is, you know, he gets lost on his inner world too. Uh-huh. So he we kept we were walking by each other through Times Square. We were both going pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> and then we went to see Brandy, our friend Brandy Carlisle, perform Joni Mitchell's Blue at freaking Carnegie Hall. Yeah, that was so special. It was unbelievable. And then we stayed for that. And then the next morning, tell us about. Well, I had to actually, I had to get out of there early because I was stressing about hydrating. They wouldn't let me bring any water bottles inside. It was so beautiful, but I had to go drink water. And I wish you guys could have seen the Brandy Carlisle, Joni Mitchell tribute concert. There were so I feel I told Brandy we should have had a designated survivor for that night because <laughs> had something happened at Carnegie Hall, we would have had no queer elder lesbian <laughs> people left it's on the true. planet. They were all they there. Were all we there. were all there. It was the it was joy. It was <sighs> just utter joy. I just wanted to like close the doors and just yeah. everyone live there for I don't know if anybody just picked it up, but Glennon just called herself a queer elder. Did you I hear mean, it? Hell she said yes. we I'm gonna get it uh. tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> I wanna be that's my I wanna be like a queer aunt. I want to be a queer go- godmother, fairy yeah. godmother yeah. for all of the young. I want to yes. Okay, go ahead. So so now it's game day. Now it's marathon morning. Yeah. Well I had to get back to the hotel that night and set up my clothes because I knew you would come home and I didn't want to disturb you and Chase. Like Chase was like on a cot in our hotel room and I didn't want to disturb you. I had to wake up at four 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I was just like, I've never run a marathon before. And so I was like, I guess I'll just do it. Like I would do a national team game. Right. So I woke up and I took a shower and I did all of the little, like literally every little ritual that I did with the national team, I was doing it by myself in the little bathroom, like, and you know, when you take a shower in the winter, it just gets steamy. Yeah. So I was like trying to put my clothes on and it was like all sticking to my body. <laughs> it was not ideal. Um, but I did it. I got on the bus with Lauren and Leslie. Um, and there we went. Like we, the bus drove us to Staten Island and we happened to get there. The way that it works is there's so much traffic that so many people condensing um down into one spot that you have to go super early and so you sit there for three hours till the start it's awful just worrying it it, talk about hyper analyzing hype like you're there for as long as maybe the race will last Mm. right for some of the runners um and so all of us are kind of in this little area every one of us has you know i have like a a belt that I'm carrying my food in goo or whatever you want to call it, any kind of calorie. Um, I have my phone, I've got headphones in case like I need it. So then you start. So the race starts and, um, 
And it's like you you're you're running over this initial bridge, this, that Staten Island bridge, and it's like a two mile long situation. Oh, the bridge is two miles to start off with, and there's thirty thousand people running. Yes, so we are we happen to be at the front. Okay, um, and so. I realized I turned back and I saw some signs that were like three hour pace, three hour and 15 minute Mm. pace, three hour, 30 pace. And those are not our pace times. So lots of people had to run past us. Right. So I had to like tell us, I was like, Hey, listen, if a lot of people pass us, like don't freak out. Like these are national team. These people do not like to be passed. That's right. Let, let them pass and we'll find, we'll find our little niche. So we're running and we get over the bridge and and the way that the marathon is the course is structured is you go over five bridges i think it is and um and no fans are allowed on the bridges but fans are allowed everywhere else mm-hmm. and every other inch of that course there was a human being mm-hmm. cheering us on mm-hmm. it was i mean honestly like I don't know how else to describe it other than the word magic. Mm-hmm. I mean, those first five miles, we were running faster than we planned to. We kept saying like, slow down. Like we need to slow our pace down. Cause we're going to, we're going to, our legs are going to go. So yeah, the, the first half of the marathon truly was magic. I feel like, um, it's the hardest physical human experience that I've ever done. And running with my teammates was special, especially because I felt, you know, people who know me, people who've trained with me know that fitness was never something that I loved to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I hated it. Mm-hmm. Right. So doing this thing, yeah. doing the New York City Marathon was a huge deal. So you're running the first half. Yep. And the first half, the first half of the race you said was awesome, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was amazing. and. And then the second half hits, Mm -hmm. there was this long bridge and my friends were like, start to creep ahead of me. And I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. Sure enough, they're feeling great still. And I am now about to hit the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, And the wall was brutal and the wall never ended. Mm -hmm. Like I never got my legs back. I never like felt good again. Mm -hmm. I just, it was brutal for the rest of the rest of the time. Um, Lauren, ended up going a little bit ahead of us. Leslie was like, please, I'm, I'm running with you. And I literally had to beg her. I was like around mile 22. I think I said, Leslie, if you don't run faster and go ahead of me, I'm going to be so pissed. I love you. And I will meet you at the finish line. And how sweet that she wanted to stay with you. I know. So what got you through that last time it was Alex. It was Alex's sign, right? Yeah. Our dear friends, Alex and Jody were there yep. with us. Yeah. They were there the night before Alex asked me, what is a word that I can say to you that will trigger some sort of response, like a run faster, like make you get through it? And I thought about it for a second and I said, rather than a word, I would like you to ask me a question. And the question was, who are you now? Hmm. So lo and behold, Alex made a poster that said, who are you now? Well, the irony of this whole thing is, all I thought about through the whole race was, who are you now? And every mile, babe, I swear, every single mile, the answer was different. The first mile, it was like, awesome, <laughs> strong, <laughs> easy, no problem, right? Um, and then as the miles kind of went on, 
the the words and my answer kind of shifted in different ways. Pain and sadness. There were some miles with grief. Um, but like one of the things that I'm so proud of is that all I had to do to keep moving through those emotions was just keep running, mm-hmm. just to keep putting one step in front of the other. And in the end, uh, it was mile 24. I was running alone at that point. And so I turned on my headphones and I played the playlist, the very first playlist I ever sent you. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. You told me you realized that you were so freaking exhausted and so out of everything that you realized the only thing that was going to get you through the last two miles was love. That's right. And so you put on our, which has so many slow songs. I can't believe that you finished the marathon with all those slow love songs. Yeah, but that that's what moves me, you know, uh-huh. like that's love. And I don't know. I think that those first you know, 24 miles, I feel like I truly experienced the entirety of the human experience, mm-hmm. like every emotion possible. Um, and then, and then I decided, okay, how love is going to be the thing that gets me through this. Mm-hmm. And then it made me realize in the end, like after thinking about it, I think that actually all of those emotions are are love. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's what it is. It's not like they're not separate. They're all together. Yeah, they're all together. They're all together. And it's so interesting because you think, well, the, the point of the marathon, I mean, it's such a spiritual experience. We think it's to survive the physicality of it, but really when you talk about it, it it feels like it's to survive every emotion that people go through being human. Yes. All in one event. That's right. You go through all of it and survive all of it by just continuing to move forward, which is a hell of a metaphor if I do say so myself. Well, I just want to talk real quick. What about your experience, babe? Let's please. I mean, my God. (laughs) That was a lot of me talking. It was. And I really do truly feel like this was my marathon. (laughs) Okay? Because I just want you to know, anyone who's been listening to me speak my words for some time knows that I tried out for cheerleading like five times, I think. Maybe maybe six. I don't know. In middle school and high school, um, I was 
I'm horribly uncoordinated. I don't know why I thought that that it was ever going to work, but I just so desperately wanted to like belong. I felt like if I had a uniform, that was would be proof that I belonged. So that is what I wanted more than anything, but I kept failing at it to the point where my dad was like, you need to stop embarrassing the family. Like, please, we know we told you you could do anything and we want to amend that. I mean, you can do anything except for Thank become God a cheerleader. Bubba's here. Yeah. So th- the thing is this weekend at the marathon, I fulfilled my lifelong dream of becoming, I was an unfucking believable cheerleader at this marathon. <laughs> okay. I want to explain to you all. You're standing on the streets of New York City, okay? You have your signs. You get there. There's thousands of other people on the streets of New York City, and there are people running by you who have been running in the streets for miles, hours, and they are old, and they are young, and they are medium, and they are in wheelchairs, and they are on feet, and they are, you know, fists in the air, and they are heads down crying, and they are just committed for some God knows reason to continue moving forward. And it is the most inspiring thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I screamed. And then the most amazing thing, you guys, is that, y'all, is that a lot of them write their names on their bibs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can scream out their names. Okay. And you, and you see somebody running and they look so tired and they look like they're about to give up. And then you see their name and you scream their name. You say, Helen, looking strong, Helen. (laughs) Hell yeah. You're a marathoner, Helen. And you just see Helen, like you can actually see the love that you offer from, from a stranger from the street go into a stranger who's running and fuel them. Yep. You watch love from a stranger fuel somebody else. I Do you still hear my voice? The marathon was five days ago. And if I sound extremely sultry and sexy today, it's because I still am getting my voice back. Five hours of screaming. And what I want the pod squad to know is that there were many pod squatters running in this marathon. Okay. So what this amazing thing oh, kept happening where I kept screaming at people, go Jacqueline, go Missy, whatever. And they'd turn around and they'd go, Glennon, hi, we can do hard things and, or whatever. And they'd, and I'd she's also back. holding a sign that said, Abby, Abby can do hard things. Abby can do hard things. Yeah. But they'd turn and say, Glennon. And then they'd keep running and then I'd scream for someone else. And then they'd say, Glennon. And the lady next to me <laughs> after a while, there was a lady cheering next to me and she turns to me and she says, my gosh, you know so many people. Yeah. It's just wonderful. And I was like, I know, I know. But the point is that I really truly believe that anyone whose heart is hurting or who has, you know, lost a little faith in humanity should freaking go and stand and cheer at a marathon. That's right. Because it is seeing strangers love other strangers and seeing this triumph of the human spirit and and triumph of humanity coming together to cheer each other on was healing. I want to, in my retirement, that's what I want to be. I want to just be a professional <laughs> marathon cheerer. I love it when you talk about retirement. Yeah. So, <laughs> so can you tell them, babe, about crossing the finish line? Because this was a really special Well, situation. first and foremost, before I got our playlist going, I called um, Coach Lou. I know. I FaceTimed Coach Lou at the 24th uh, mile. Because I wanted her to experience this. She was she was back in Naples, I think, 
Um, and she did our program through and through. So I was so, I just was overcome with like gratitude for her. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her to be included in this moment. So I FaceTime her real quick and she mentioned to me, you're ahead of schedule. And I was like, oh my gosh, for the last two miles since Leslie went ahead of me, I've been feeling bad about myself. Like Mm -hmm. I was like that I didn't do good or I wasn't doing it fast enough. And here she was, she was like, you're ahead of schedule. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to finish this marathon ahead of the schedule that I had planned. This is amazing. Isn't that a beautiful metaphor? Whenever we compare ourselves to other people, we think we're behind. That's right. And we need somebody to remind us, listen, everyone listening, this is Glennon saying to you into your earballs, you are ahead of schedule. (laughs) Well, when you're running through Central Park, because that's at the end, the last bit, Um, I just, the 25th mile, I got a little emotional and I started to cry inside. I started to like, you know, and people were cheering me on. Some people recognized me, which was so outrageous. And I finally get to the finish line. I finally get to stop running. (laughs) And so I walked across the finish line. I was, I was so grateful to be there that I really wanted to like take in that moment. And so I slowed myself down enough to literally walk across that finish line. And when I looked up, Shalane Flanagan (laughs) was in my face and putting the metal around my neck. Tell these people in case any of them don't know who Shalane Flanagan is. Well, first of all, she's, she was my running idol. Right. Um, in 2017, she won the New York city marathon. Uh, she's an Olympian. She is, she's a, a a retired professional runner, marathoner. Um, she's a, an author, she's a mom, she's amazing. And the, that I will never be an elite runner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was, she has always been an idol of mine. And also by the way, like an idol of coach Lou. And she finished and waited an hour and a half. Yeah. Sadly, she had to wait an hour and a half. <laughs> That's how fast she finished the marathon. But what was so special about her is since COVID, um, the marathons kind of got rescheduled all grouped together. So she was able to schedule a challenge for herself that she would run six marathons in six weeks. And this New York City marathon would be her last. So did you hear that, sweet pod squatters? <laughs> six this marathons. Woman- in ran six, six weeks marathons in six weeks. And then she has inspired Abby so much. And she waited so that she could be the one to put the medal over Abby's head. I walked up and saw the end of that and was like, well, now I'm dead. Yeah. I will never see anything more precious. Than She's that. amazing. So I actually saw her at the, at the start line and I, I kind of sought her out because we had been DMing on IG and, um, Sure enough, she was like, oh, my gosh, here you are. And I was like, "Okay, I'll see you later. I mean, never did I think for one second that she, of all people who had just run. If I had just run six marathons (laughs) in six weeks, I would be in the hospital. And there she was still standing by the finish line with her medal on, putting my medal on. And speaking of Shalane Flanagan showing up at the most perfect times ever, dedicated to giving back 
to the sport she loves. Shalane Flanagan is now an elite coach to the Bowerman Track Club, global spokesperson, and a mom. After retiring as one of America's most decorated distance runners, Flanagan's accolades include four-time Olympian, Olympian silver medalist, 2017 TCS New York City Marathon champion, world cross-country bronze medalist, and multiple American record holder. She is the third fastest American marathoner in history. Shalane is the fastest American woman to run the Boston Marathon in two hours, 22 minutes, and two seconds. Along with her co-author, Elise Kopecki, she is the three-time New York Times bestselling author of Run Fast, Eat Slow, and Run Fast, Cook Fast, Eat Slow, and Rise and Run, which became an instant bestseller. We have Shalane Flanagan here with us on We Can Do Hard Things, the one who does the hardest things. Pod Squad, just so you know what we have going on right now, we have the two heroes who helped Abby through her marathon. We have Coach Lou, who trained her and also our entire family physically and emotionally. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And we have the Shalane. And Coach Lou, you're a big fan of Shalane. I am. I am a big fan. And I, I have to tell you that what you've done for girls in running is incredible. And I want you to know that um, when we talk about marathon running and my PE classes and coaching and uh, the kids after the 2017 uh, New York City Marathon, they came back to the class and like, wow, watching marathons are fun. So it was just Aww. like, and, and also coaching girls and t- trying to talk about nutrition. When yeah. your book came out, it was incredible because that awkwardness of talking about performance and running with girls, it's so tricky. Uh, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say impossible, but I was able to take your book and give it as gifts to my runners and my girls. It, you have yeah. no idea how far reaching what hey. just writing that book as a coach of 31 years to be able to say, we can now have this conversation. And yeah. you, it is, you have no idea. And I don't know if Abby told you that there's a little girl on our our cross-country club at Golf Coast Runners. Her name is Shalane, and she was named after you. So she's five oh. years old. And she, so we're like, go, Shalane. She's five. And so it's just, I don't, oh my know, God. I don't know if you realize the impact uh. on running and just your professionalism and what you do for women in sports. And I'm just a huge fan. I need a pep talk from you every day. That's right. <laughs> like, like all of us, we all put our head down and we work hard and we hope we reach people by, you know, pursuing our passions and, um, you know, giving and being in, of service. But you never, sometimes you don't know. You don't know what impact it is having. And so I appreciate you sharing that with me because, it fills me up to keep working hard at what I do. And um, yeah, it's it's awesome. And the sport is incredible. Um, I've met the most amazing people through running. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm curious. I want to know, I want to know how Abby was as an athlete for you. Like, was she coachable <laughs> or was she like a know-it-all? Like, I, that's what I'm always curious. Like you take an athlete from a different background and like, are they as coachable? Like she's extremely appreciative. Uh, and willing to do whatever. And the dilemma in this um, training cycle with COVID was very difficult. I really thought at times that she was going to say, yeah, this is just not going to be for me. And I was like, because when she first started training, she was on par to really have an amazing uh, 
pace and time. And I was eager for her to um, run and see, to prove to herself what she can do. And so when it was canceled, I started to worry. So I would give her a lot of yeah. space. And then every now and again, I would check in and say, hey, are you, I'm still thinking of you, just checking in. So I kind of did accountability, but not over yeah. too much, just yep. enough to go, I'm still waiting. And what do you need from me? Are you ready for the next cycle? Um, yeah. So I knew there was a, a point that, th that there was where I think she was questioning. I, she could answer that. <laughs> but then her strength training coach, I think, really had a big, big difference in her. And it really, so the, a lot of the running that she had done really allowed that strength training, allowed her to keep some of that. Yeah. And I, and I told her a while back that, cause she was going to do other marathons and I'm like, you're a New Yorker. You have to have your first marathon has to be the New York marathon. My, my first marathon was New York and I'm from Boston. So that says a lot. <laughs> I, I knew from day one that it was the best one in the world. So right. it, un unfortunately you've kind of like peaked a marathoning life, Abby, like good. It's, if you can't get better than that, I have run a million races around the world and it's better than the Olympics. It's better than anything. It's so good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I told her that the best thing is when she comes to the finish line is that Shalane Flanagan is going to say her name. And then this whole thing happened last week. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> So many things in our lives change, but not our love for Viore clothing. I love this ad. We're so glad that they continue to support the show. It's true. Abby is obsessed with Viore. I am a little bit too. Do you think you have a favorite item? Ugh, they're t-shirts. They never get less soft. They're just perfect for everything, for going to dinner, for actively going for a walk, for working out, whatever you want to do. They're the I, best. Actually, Sleep in them. You, you wear them to work out and you wear them out to dinner. That is true. I wear Viore tops. All day, every day. And you day. wear them under suits and you wear them yes. to bed. It's everything. Okay. I mean, I love them, but it's not easy to find clothes that look sleek and feel comfortable. I mean, I can use them everywhere and anywhere I go. Viori is an investment in your happiness. I promise you. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash hard things. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hard things. You won't be sorry. Shalane, how did you, how in the Sam hell did you decide to run six marathons in six, like in six <laughs> weeks? Like, just please yeah. explain to us how this happened. Well, and didn't you have one day between two of those marathons to recover? Yeah, a little less than 24 hours. Yeah, if you yeah, count the Chicago when I finished. Boston. Yeah. Um, the short answer of, of everything is because I can. Um, and that, because I feel like at times we don't have to like justify our goals all the time to everyone, but like, because I can, like I have the ability and I love it. Um, but there are a lot of like layers to why I wanted to do it. So the long answer is one, I retired in 2019 um, right shortly thereafter, I had double reconstructive knee surgeries, which was brutal. I didn't run for a year. And during that year, um, you know, I switched to becoming a coach and then we immediately hit a pandemic. And so it was like this goalless abyss and coming from being such a goal oriented background and an athlete and using my body. I didn't understand 
the connectedness between um, mental health and physical health for me, moving my body 100% improves my mental well-being. And so retiring and losing kind of that self-identity, I felt like I had imposter syndrome becoming a coach. Um, and I just was struggling really hard, like everyone. Um, I had this one really shining light of adopting my son, Jack. So that was wonderful. But I felt this need to like reclaim my body and my mind again. And I needed a hard goal. I needed something that was going to take me out of my comfort zone. Give me something to train for. I'm not, I'm a driven person, but I'm not, I need goals. I need something to hold me accountable and um, to get excited about. And when I saw this um, schedule release uh, with the Abbott World Majors running all six of them because of the pandemic, I thought, wow, it's like a once time, once in a lifetime opportunity to run all six within 42 days. And I thought, someone should do that. And then I'm like, <laughs> but then I was like, why not me? I, I could be capable of that. And as long as my knees, you know, were capable of it, I certainly in my head was capable of it. And I thought, what better way to celebrate running in the running community reuniting? And I just felt like I wanted to bring my girlfriends along with me and go on a running adventure around the world. And we did it. And I had the most fun I've ever had running in my entire life. Really? And it was, yes, it was just, it was like reuniting with my best friend. I didn't realize how important running was to me until it was taken away. It was like a, just a lot lighter. Um, it, it, I like to describe it as like a different texture of a relationship for me uh, with running. It was so serious when I was a professional athlete and it was about winning and it was about uh, setting records and it was just, it was harsher. It was a lot of like weight I was carrying and now running for me, I call it like I play running, you know, other sports like soccer, you get to play <laughs> soccer, you know, it's awkward to say play running, but I just, I feel like that's important to feel joyful and playful with what you do. And I just felt the need to get back out there and my own kind of context of, of what running was for me. Do you okay, know what? Hold on a second. We, I'm sorry. We I, just have to go back to the thing that she started with. You don't have to explain your goals to anybody. Yeah, because I can. Oh, shit. Damn. I also would like to say, because I can't. Is an excellent answer. Because <laughs> well, how many people have asked me, Glenn, are you going to run? Why? Why not? Because I can't. That's right. And I don't have to explain that, right? If Shalane right. doesn't have to explain, I can. Then you don't have to explain why you can't. That's right. Oh my I gosh. love the play running, Shalane. That I've I noticed a difference in myself when I used to say I have to work on my book or I have to work on this podcast or I have to work on whatever. And when I say I get to play with this story or I, I, when I, I say it differently, it feels different when Absolutely. I do it. Absolutely. That's yeah. I get that. What yeah, are you into? Like, I get to run or I get to yeah. do this instead of like yeah. a have to. It's a yeah. huge mental shift. So, yes. And, you know, just so you know, like <clears throat> we we're not going to sit here and talk all the ways through the marathon or your running career. Like I actually just want to get to know you as a human being, especially now that you are no longer competing professionally, though. What you just did for those six weeks is like outrageous and it feels like a professional thing that you just did. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, what are you into? Like, what are the things that you, like, what does a day in the life of Shalane look like? Um, I like feeling like needed for sure. And I like to be busy. Um, so my day is heavily includes family and coaching. And, um, so, you know, my son, um, he is one and a half years old. So he 
is not in any daycare yet. So my husband and I are like full time with him. Um, fortunately, uh, here in Portland, I have my sister who lives across the river and then my uh. parents 300 meters up the road. So uh. we have a nice little family uh, pod of um, support. So Jack's well taken care of with family and myself and my husband and my my husband's a high school um, cross country and track coach. So he's, our schedules are really nice. I'm in the morning with the professional athletes training on the Nike campus. Um, and then basically I get to hang out with Jack the rest of the day and do fun podcasts like this or, uh, work on cookbooks or recipe testing. Um, and then, you know, my husband has the evenings where he is with working with high school kids. So it's, I feel like we feel really fulfilled and getting to work with incredible people. What do you, what is because I know that running, you had to develop an immense amount of resilience mentally, physically, emotionally. What in your life now, because I know you're still running. I know that you still do that. But what in your life now is the thing that makes you have to, it's like the transference, like you bring that and you, you plop it right into your like daily life. What is the thing in your daily life that you have to like bring that kind of resilience to? Um, well, I think parenting. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that actually. (laughs) Parenting is not easy. And Jack isn't even like, I'm not like, I'm like kind of just keeping him alive at this point. It's not like real (laughs) parenting quite yet. I mean, we're starting to like, feel like I'm having a mold on him. And that's why I wanted to bring him to all these marathons. I ran around the world and the country is I want him, you know, impacted by the people I'm, I'm with. I think they're the great people. So, um, Yeah, I think parenting and it's exhausting and it's wonderful and it's hard. And, um, but he gives me a tremendous amount of purpose. I call him my life enhancer. He is just every day, like I go to like wake him up in the morning or get him, And I'm like, dude, you got cooler and cuter at the same time in like 24 hours. Like, how did you do that? Like, it's fascinating to watch children grow. And, um, man, I, I, I want a lot of kids in the future. Um, I think they're super fun. And so to me, bringing like my A game every day to make sure I take care of him, mm. that right there, that's a, that's a hard, a hard job. Yeah. Takes yeah. a lot of goo. Takes a lot of <laughs> yeah. fucking goo. To yeah. Well. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, the things, the other things that I like, I'm desperate to know about you. Um, like, are there things in your life that feel hard? Because if you run the way that you have run in your life, by the way, folks, Shalane finished all of her six marathons in six weeks in under two hours. And I think 47 minutes for each marathon, which is sub six minute marathon pace pile, uh, six minute mile pace. Yeah. I think if you, someone the other day, it was like, Oh, you average, if you average them all the, all together, um, I averaged six minute mile pace for oh across all gosh. of them. So yeah. That's wild. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, it's incomprehensible to me what you've achieved, but to me, it's like, that feels so hard in like every possible way. What is the hardest thing that you're actually dealing with in your life right now, other than parenting? Is there something extraordinarily hard or even mildly hard that you're, you're going through right now? Well, first of all, six marathons in 42 days was hard. But like, what have you done for us lately, Shalane? (laughs) First of all, I just don't want that to think like, oh, that's like a, that's easy for me. It's not easy. And that's why I wanted to do it. I needed to, to, for me, 
when we do things, like when we choose to do hard things, I feel most alive. Like I feel the most beautiful and the most alive when I'm running. I do. Like even though I'm sweaty and I'm grinding it out, like I feel the best about myself. So I've, you know, especially when you get to choose the hard thing that you want to do, like that's obviously different. Um, but yeah, I think trying to find my way in the coaching world, um, you know, the phrase like you can't be what you can't see um, in track and field uh, and just in the coaching world and of what I'm in, there are not a lot of female coaches to emulate and to look up to. So I'm trying to find my way in a, um, in a world that is just, it's male heavy for sure. And so I'm trying to figure out like, and I have great mentors and they're all men. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how I can do the best possible job as a coach. And, you know, hopefully there's some little girls out there that are like, Oh, I want to, I want to get into coaching too. At that level. Um, there are plenty of amazing female coaches at, at a variety of other levels, but this professional level, it's very male dominant. And so to me, it's hard trying to figure out where I fit in and what are my strengths and what are my assets and not feel like an imposter at times mm-hmm. I show up to the Olympic games and I look around and I'm like me, there's maybe like one or two other female coaches. And, mm-hmm. um, so just trying to navigate that and make sure I do a great job and obviously inspire more females to get into coaching. Ugh. Do you have a cohort of, because we hear this from so many women because mm-hmm. in every lane, there are the one, the ones like you, right? The women that have no one ahead of them to look. So they're just pioneers. They can't follow anybody. Yeah. Do you have a cohort of other women who are in other industries, but in your similar situation? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, someone that, um, used to run the New York Roadrunners and the TCS New York city marathon, Mary Wittenberg, she has been someone who I've looked up to for a long time and she used to be there and now she's dabbled in cycling and other sports and run some major companies. And I'm always, I met with her for coffee the day after, um, in New York and just picked her brain on, you know, how can I, how can I learn from you? How can I, you know, what, what am I doing wrong? Just assessing everything and, um, having, having someone like Mary and there's a variety of other women, but for sure, she's been someone I've, I've looked up to. I mean, reading incredible books, I'm constantly trying to read for inspiration, um, and learn from the best. You have written a book, you and, uh, your friend, Elise Kopecky, do you say? Kopecky. Yes. She was there at the finish. Yep. Yes, I remember Elise. Rise and yes. Run. It's a cookbook, also recipes, rituals, and runs to fuel your day. Shalane, we're raising two girls. I have dealt with eating disorders my whole life. And so I am scared shitless constantly to talk to my girls about food because mm-hmm. I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing. I'm so, and so I love what Coach Lou said about your book being a way to talk about food as something that we do so that we can fuel, um, fuel so that yeah. we can perform so that we yeah. can, instead of about how we look, that's right. Right. It's so it's not about we how feel. we appear. It's about how we feel and, and about how we yeah. can move. And it just feels like hopeful. How is it writing a cookbook? Cause I love cooking. Yeah. So this is our third book and I'll, I'll be honest at the beginning, um, Elise and I, 
came up with this idea over just a home cooked meal. And I was expressing to her how I wanted to extend my career a few more years to make another Olympic team. And, but I just felt underfueled and undernourished. And I didn't feel like I knew how to fuel myself for these long races like the marathon. And, um, that I was just feeling kind of just blah, like I didn't have enough energy. And she had just come back from culinary school. And granted, Elise had been working at Nike and sports marketing and a you know, full successful job. And she pivoted hard to go to culinary school because she just felt this pull and draw that Americans were under fueling and not eating the right food. And there was a lot of diet trends and misinformation. She and I grew up in the area of area, um, era of like low fat and no fat diet. And so we came up with this idea to start using me as kind of a guinea pig from what she learned in culinary school, which was to incorporate the healthy fats, um, you know, the avocado, the olive oil, um, to indulge in delicious food. And um, it should be nourishing and indulgent Mm -hmm. um, and satiating. And as soon as I started to eat the way she was recommending, um, you know, there's no calorie counts, no grams of this, no grams of that. Like, cause that makes you crazy. Like yes. my, in my mind makes me crazy. Yes. And she's like, we don't only need you to be worrying about like the splits on your watch and how many miles you're running each week. Like you shouldn't be worrying about all that. So in all of our books, there's, there's no, and it drives some people crazy cause they're not used to it, but we don't have calorie counts. Yay. We don't do that. And I felt energized as soon as I started to change my diet, the way Elise had recommended So I was like, we have to share this information. Like maybe someone will publish us. Maybe they won't. So we called it like Shalane and Elise's like cooking project. And um, before you knew it though, we were published by a real publisher and we we became a New York Times bestseller, which was like, so we just, uh, now we're on our third book. There's just more about us. And the emphasis and overall message is how you start your day can transcend and affect the whole rest of the day. And even like the night before, how Mm -hmm. you prepare and the rituals impact that next whole day. And it's just like those little things um, just really make a big difference. Tell us about some little things because I'll tell you the truth. That's what got me about the title of your book. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the rise and run part. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But rituals. Yeah. Because I don't think we pay enough attention to the little rituals in our days that really change everything. What are some of yours? Well, so, you know, the night before, I definitely, as soon as Jack goes down, I try to prepare for the next day. And so that if that means like meal prepping so that we can have a less hectic morning, like when you have kids and you're trying to get them off to school and Jack's not that age yet, but I can sense like, there's this anxiousness and busyness and to like enjoy each other's company. Um, so I prep the night before as best I can. Um, but then in the morning, I really try to like be excited for the day. And so one ritual that like Jack and I have is music is really, for some reason, speaks to me. So I put on music every single morning and it's a different genre. It could be rap. It could be reggae. Who knows? And he and I do a little dance party. And like to me, that's like our ritual of how we start our morning. Um, just dancing and some good music, good vibes, sometimes just simple as like lighting a candle. So for me, lighting a candle, like that nice glow mm-hmm. and then just like some good music. Um, and then, t- you know, to me, coffee is very ritualistic. Um, and then just having good food that you feel like is going like, to give you energy for the rest of the day is, is essential. 
I agree with you. When I had little ones, it was so important to me because I could be in a crappy mood and not feel like being like an energetic, awesome mom. But when you yep. put on music, you f- it feels like you're being an awesome mom. Like you're doing something. Yeah. Like it, you kind of like- have to fake your way. I have yeah. a saying that I got from a life coach. He's like, mood follows action. So like you have to just kind of go do the thing. So I like make myself dance. I may not be in the mood to, but I make myself dance. And then before I know it, my mood has shifted. So that applies to so many things, training, whatever. But the mood follows the action has been like my, my motto the last year. That's kind of how I feel about what the marathon was for me. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. I know I've been there before and I feel like I'm always expected to know everything despite having all of these questions. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, good news. Now all that info is in one place on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools with info like student-to-teacher ratios. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I wish I could turn around and just like interview Abby and and the experience that you two had in New York. I just think like the marathon for me, it was a it was an experience of like learning what it was to become human and then realizing like maybe it was like an experience to every step was like to realize like I am not specifically those emotions, you know, like that. You can get through them. You are not them. They pass through you, but you kept going. Like that's what I kept thinking when you were saying that, like you were the one, you weren't the emotion. You were having the emotion. You were the one who continued on despite of the emotion. That's right. It was like a meditative. That's right. Like when you realize you are the observer, you're not the the fe- the feeling. That's right. Because if you indulge in all of those feelings, you wouldn't get to the finish line. You, it, it has to be very, um, you have to push through them. Uh, I wish there was like these bubbles that would pop up over the top of runners' heads because it would be amazing to see what people think about <sighs> because it you you go through such a, like a transformative journey in those 26 miles. Like you go from elated thinking like, I've got this, I'm going to crush this to then the <laughs> next mile, you're like, oh, I definitely don't have this. This is bad. You start to get really negative and then working through that negative talk. And it's like the, the roller coaster is insane what can happen in 26 miles. So that's why people are so emotional. I feel like when they finish, because like I worked through a lot of stuff out there to get mm-hmm. to this finish line, you know, not, not just in the race, but in the training too. Like the training to me is like transformative in itself, but then the actual 26 miles, it, it asks a lot of you um, physically yeah. and mentally. And I think more, more so the mental aspect totally. is big. You can completely talk yourself out of getting to that finish line yes. very easily. Yes, because yeah. there's so many seconds that you can actually stop running. Well, yes. sweetheart, you said to me when she finished, she got past you. She got through the emotional 
coronation. (laughs) And then she got to me and I said, are you okay? And she said, well, the thing about her exact words were the thing about finishing a marathon is that you can't stop running ever. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think that's right. You can't stop ever. I feel like we knew that before that this, but that's, it was blowing your mind that you didn't stop. For three hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. It's it's one of the yeah. things that I'm most proud of in my life. Yeah. Because yeah. That's why she's still wearing the medal three that's days right. later on our couch. <laughs> I that's love right. it. Shalane, can we talk just before we end? I just yeah. I want to talk about – because like when you say the trauma and like getting through one mile feeling like you're on top of the world, I've got this. The next mile you're feeling I don't got this. I mean truly when you're talking, that's how I feel all day. Like, I'm not even being funny. Yeah, like, no. that's how my whole day is. That's is right. like, and, and that's why I think some people with like anxiety, depression, we don't need to run the marathon. We're like, <laughs> how you like us now? That's, that's how like- Tuesday is for us. Okay. <laughs> that's a Tuesday. So, but I do want to talk about how do you feel about the cheers on the side? Because Shalane, I had, I, I had one of the most inspiring days of my life watching you all run um, because I felt like, you know, the world, I really had this feeling of like the world needs runners. They need people that, that are doing this thing, but the runners need the cheerers. That's right. It's a symbiotic relationship. It is essential. Like why was New York so special? It's not, yes, the runners were great, but it's the fans. I mean, I have never felt the intensity. And I, I don't know if it's post you know, COVID, but I have never felt so much love and intensity being thrown at the runners than I did this last marathon. That's why I said to Abby, I'm like, I think you may have peaked because this was the best New York I've ever been a part of. (gasps) It was, it was insane. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, oh, I mean, I had chills and like my body, like every hair was standing up. Like I, every, when I think about it, like I just felt like my, my sensors were like on fire. It was intense. And it's, that's what like, it, it literally fuels people forward. They, yeah. they know that they're going to get to the finish line because of the love that they're receiving from the sidelines. Yeah. It makes it a whole new experience. Like I did, I don't think people realize like that that's what's so special about the marathon is that relationship that they have with the people who are on the side of the road supporting. Like that is everything. It makes it worthwhile. Well, and you know, you won the 2017 uh, New York City Marathon and I can imagine everybody knows you as you're running. So you must experience just Shalane. I mean, I will say this. A couple of people recognized me along the path and that was really helpful. Like I was like, yes, yeah, I see. Uh, Somebody knows me. I got to go a little bit faster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody must have said, like that must be so energetic just to go through. I mean, if you're not, if we're not on a bridge, we're on a street and there are people there. Mm -hmm. It was just, there's nothing quite like it. And probably coming from COVID you guys, because- it was like we were all so alone and and to be yes. in a space where strangers, we had all been through this thing where we were all locked in our homes and then to be in this space where strangers were together again and connected and loving each other and cheering for each other without knowing each other 
was just, it was like the antithesis of everything we'd just been through. That's right. The healing of the brokenness of before. I just have to say, before we like end here, I've met a lot of inspiring people in my life. And for the most part, what they do is like really, really amazing with their sport. But there's something different about the running community Mm -hmm. that I've never really quite experienced before. And I don't know, when you're out on the course, I just had this feeling like we were all strangers, but we were all the same. Yeah. There's this like, there's this unification or like a mold, like a, like a smushing of human beings or something. It's hard to explain. And I feel like you having been such a leader and still being a leader as, as a coach, I just think that you are one of, if not the most badass human beings <laughs> I've ever, athletes well. especially, but just like. It's so incredible what you have been able to do with your life. And and not just because you're a great runner, but because you're such an incredible supporter of other women and of other human beings. That's, that's what right. makes me feel like you're a magic wow. little running elf, Shalane Flanagan. <laughs> I, I, I'm like speechless right now. Like that, that really means the world coming from both of you. Like you have no idea. And um, I, I think I messaged you, Abby, that morning. I was like, the running community is so excited to have you be a part of this journey because you know what? Your journey was the same as mine. Like we took those same steps. We covered the same distance, the same road. And that's what I think I love about, about running is like Bob, who finishes in nine hours, goes through the same thing that I went through. We yep. really did. I know my steps were a little bit quicker than Bob's, but at the end of the day, like we, we went through the same thing and to share that it's, there is just um, a formation of an, and a bond that it's just like, if someone's like, I've run a marathon, they're like, Oh, I know you like, yeah. they like, they like, they get you. So yeah, I, I hope you're excited to take on more adventures. Um, I don't know if you've set another goal. I don't have a goal yet. Um, you know, beyond just getting back to some other things in my life, but um, yeah, I just, let me know the next time you run a marathon, I want to be there. It was, oh. it was so great to be there for you and be with you and meet your family. You have an awesome support team. Clearly your coach is great. And, <laughs> coach um, Lou. Coach yeah. Lou's the best. Coach, really coach and Lou's when awesome. you're in LA, will you come visit us? Bring little Jack oh, and come visit us. We absolutely. Would love, would love that. Yeah. Right. You're always yeah. welcome. We love you so much. Let's go to the pod squad of the week. Hi, Glennon and sister and Abby. My name is Steph. And I am actually calling in, not with a question, but to share a very special moment and in hopes that the person who made this moment happen listens to this podcast and hears uh, my message. A year ago, I could not run more than a quarter mile without stopping or hating every second of it. And last Sunday, I ran my first half marathon. I ran the San Francisco half marathon. A year ago, I decided. I was going to do the hard thing and I was going to become a runner and that's what I did. The race was the hardest thing I've ever done or one of the hardest. And just as I was thinking, I physically and mentally could not do this. Also, as I was approaching the last of the San Francisco Hills in the race, I saw a lady holding a sign that read, you can do hard things. And the word hard was painted in cheetah print. And I swear I had to hold myself together from crying because it was such a special moment. I felt like that sign and that lady were placed 
at the bottom of that hill for a reason. And those words and everything I've learned with your book and through this podcast pushed me to finish the race. And I finished and I uh, felt very proud of myself. And I just wanted to share this with you guys. Thank you for the community you've built, hopefully to motivate someone to do that hard thing that they think they can't do. You can do it. But also in hopes that that lady who is holding the sign hears this and hears this and knows how important it was for me and just to thank her. This is the kind of shit that makes me cry. I, I mean, Rudy. That's awesome. Any kind of sport moment. <laughs> oh. And Steph, that is proof that we need cheerers. We do. We yeah. need cheerers. And people doing the hard things and people cheering for the people doing the hard things. I wish everybody had cheers. I wish teachers had people outside their classrooms with signs yes. and like ER nurses and like, oh my God. Okay. Um, Chalene, is there anything you want to say to that, to that pod squatter? You never realize at times the effect you're going to have on people. So always put your best self out there and just keep doing great things because you never know. And like hearing stuff like that, just, um, it reinforces what you guys are doing. So. All right. So that's our next right thing. We just got from Shalane, put our best self out there. Yep. Each moment. That's our next right thing. And if we can't (laughs) run, make a sign. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. You're a runners or you're either a runner or you're a cheerer. Either way, both are needed. That's right. Um, Shalane, Thank you for coming and being a part of this podcast. This is our pride and joy. And you, yeah. you'll you never understand how much that moment meant. Um, we keep laughing about it because I'm like, how did I looked up and there you were. And then you were putting this medal over my and then you know what they tried to do? They tried to give me a different medal. And I was like, she wouldn't no. let them. No, no. This is the medal that this is my medal. And that's the one I picked out for you. I was like, you. I need a good one for Abby. Yes. That's so. right. Yeah. And to Coach Lou, thank you, Coach Lou. We love you so much. For all of the teachers and coaches out there, please never, ever doubt the impact you have on children and families. Coach Lou has changed our family's life and continues to from Florida 100%. when we're not even in her classes anymore. <laughs> so thank you to all the teachers and coaches. Thank you, Shalane, Pod Squad. Yeah, we love you. you. When life gets hard, don't forget we can do hard things. Yes. See you next week. See you in the next marathon. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.